0: Some of the strong takeaways when I returned from that first ultra running experience was that your boundaries, your resilience levels are possibly much greater than what you think.
1: Hello and welcome to Run the Business, the weekly podcast that explores the place where running and leadership come together. We'll find out how running can help us with leading, managing people, and generally being better in business. We'll also try and answer that question, do runners make better leaders? I'm Anthony Gay, and today I'm joined by the CEO of Commodity. He's a leadership strategist, a talent advisor, a trusted headhunter, an expert on company culture and high-performance leadership. He's also an ultra-runner who's already explored the relationship between running and business, so a perfect guest for this podcast. Yaka Block, welcome to Run the Business. Thank you very much.
0: I'm very much looking forward to getting into this. And how are you today, first of all? Very good. I have a recipe for um, how to start my day. I'm sure we will we will get into that. Um, unsurprisingly, running features in that recipe, uh, as well as a couple of other things, which I, I hope uh, your listeners will maybe find uh, beneficial to adopt
1: themselves. And when did you last go running? Then that's a, a good question to start with. Was it this morning? Yes. And tell us a little bit about that, that run. Where would you go? What, what, sort of, what part of the world are you in to begin with?
0: I am in the South Downs uh, in Hampshire, UK, and I would tend to do two types of running uh, in the mornings. Most of the time, I will just do laps around a local lake and it's a switch off mechanism. It's, it's, like a, it's like a more elaborate running track, if you like, and I'll tend to go very early. And the second option is a hill nearby. It's called Butzer Hill for those that are familiar with the surroundings. uh, Quite a few ultra races go through Butzer Hill and I will just do hill reps there. And the downside is that it involves a short car journey to, uh, to get to the foot of the hill. Both runs will sort of range between 45 minutes and 90 minutes in duration.
1: Tell us a little bit about commodity and your role uh, in in that business, and as CEO of the, of that business.
0: Commodity is is essentially a, a, a niche headhunting business. So, as the name would suggest, we specialize in the field of um, commodities, raw materials, the energy space, and and very much the energy transition as is taking place. We work with uh, firms all over the world. We have a business in Switzerland. We've up until very recently had an office in Houston. We have an office out in Singapore, and my role, whilst I'm a CEO um, first and foremost, I'm I'm a hands-on headhunter. I work closely with the leaders of of some pretty interesting companies in in the jurisdictions mentioned earlier. Commodities is a lot of things. It's a it's metals, it's agriculture, but it's also you know coffee, cotton, cocoa. And these mark and these commodities are traded uh, they're shipped they are risk managed they are produced they're bought and sold and that requires talented people and that's where we become relevant it's a business that's been going since late 70s and it's a business that i've been involved in for many years and i was involved in a management buyout or a couple of management buyouts of the business during that time and yeah, today, so I'm sitting here as a CEO, but uh, as I said, still remain pretty hands on involved in in the quest for finding hard to find talent in, in the space. And when
1: did running enter your life? When did you first consider yourself a runner?
0: Ah, it was, I mean, a proper uh, imposter syndrome, really, because it came about, uh, I, I've really historically not been a runner Uh, i've enjoyed sports just not running and i got injured playing football which incidentally is not my sport either but uh, maybe hence the injury and that was in 2015 i injured my ankle it was uh, cartilage damage and i had an ankle arthroscopy and that required me to be non-load bearing for maybe eight weeks or so so lots of time to reflect on what to do when one is able to walk again and probably an unhealthy amount of time spent on YouTube. And that was when I saw the race Marathon de Sable, mm-hmm. and I thought it was fascinating for many reasons. Fascinating because the people that I noticed taking part didn't to me seem like extraordinarily different to me. Mm-hmm when you heard them speak or when you look at them. And I guess that's where the first uh, appeal for that race, when you were informed that it's, that it's very much a head race, as many of these ultras are, I kind of got a bit hooked. But maybe it was also, maybe it was a mini um, midlife crisis. Who knows? Maybe, Or maybe it just felt like give me a bit of a name. So the imposter syndrome comment, I guess, is born out of the fact that a i wasn't a runner b i was injured to the point that you know I, I couldn't i was not allowed to walk and i was sitting looking at you know what's uh what's uh fondly known as you know the toughest foot race on the planet you know i'm not too sure about that label to be honest but but uh, you know clearly uh you need to you need to rock up on the start line with a good level of of running expertise yeah and it it kind of gave me a bit of a an name, and and i so i signed up and it gave me eighteen months to prepare, and then one day, Martin de Sable, they wrote to me and said, "Oh, we've had some cancellations. Did I fancy shortening the eighteen months to six months?" <laughs> and at that point, I'd never actually experienced the sensation of 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 passing you know twenty six point two miles. But I said, yes, I thought, you know, I thought I, I will just have to shorten everything and probably fundamentally being quite an impatient person anyway. So I it it worked to shorten the prep time. You know, it was very much being thrown in the deep end. That was my entrance into running. And that MDS was in 2016. And it was an extraordinarily good experience. And And obviously I came back with so much appetite and so much curiosity for endurance running and i just i felt so refreshed i felt like i've been struggling to really relax on on holidays and probably worked too much and this i felt was was just such an emphatic break from so many things And it gave my head so much valuable time. It gave me an extraordinary uh, experience of a beautiful but also harsh environment. And it gave me an opportunity also to connect with people where we had time and we had equality. You know, when you when you rock up there and everybody's got a bag that weighs, you know, six to seven kilos and you've got your food in there and you've got your treats in there. And nobody cares what you do for a living or what's in your bank account or what car you drive. Those are just not important elements. You're there because of a shared love for, for running. And that's enough. And that's where you start. And then you start talking about, you know, more meaningful stuff because you have time. And uh, yeah, that's just some of the facets that, that made me feel this is something that I need to look at in a much more meaningful way. It's given me something And I I need to figure out what that is and whether that's something that's consistent with others, whether it's something that can be, you know, bottled and shared and whether it's something that actually is a a thing in terms of taking performance from that environment and making it work in a work environment, leadership capacity, business environment. And, And, you know, I'm
1: sure our listeners are aware of MDS, but if anybody sort of isn't it is this legendary foot race across the, the desert that experience for you the sand how did you feel where did it get and and in terms of the low points that you must have experienced you know how did you combat those
0: uh, during that race hey i think you do need to be you do need to be fit i know it sounds you know, pretty basic but i don't think you need to have the mad fitness that maybe you think you need you need to be able to comfortably or reasonably comfortably being able to run half a marathon for sure, and also be aware that it's a lot of up and down you know those dunes are you know there are some there are some sand mountains there, and there are some there are so many different surfaces and so many random rocks, and you seem to just have a knack of hitting them with your You know, so your toe box just becomes incredibly um, tender because your nails are absorbing a lot of the um, the pounding. There's a lot about that race that's down to logistics. You've got to look after yourself and your well-being for six days. And all they give you is water and shelter. And here a shelter is pretty basic, you know, it's a a carpet raised on a couple of stilts, you know, so you get the full experience of sandstorms and well, just sand everywhere. And the, the ability to keep your luggage as light as possible just gives you well, A, it's it's part of the race for starters, but it's also it makes it fun. It makes it fun to you can prepare for it, you can test, and, and you also need to make some decisions on what your treats are going to be, because you can't have it all. And there are, you know, zero just in case kind of items. One of my treats that I never used, interestingly enough was um, an iPod shuffle to give you an idea how how much I I appreciated the alone time the solitude the sound of my own footsteps in the sand and the sound of Sahara I never wanted to cover that with a podcast or a spotify playlist or anything like that so the first time i switched on that music device was in the bus on the way out of the desert so big takeaways is is really the the people extraordinary the environment extraordinary you know the structure of the race you've got to cover 250 odd kilometers over over the six days and day four is always is always considered the long day so the purpose here is that they want you to experience running through sahara in the middle of the night and sahara is really hot in the daytime as you know at nighttime gets close to zero so it makes it makes your your packing even more complex but running through sahara in the middle of the night and seeing the the milky way complete with zero light pollution and you can look in any direction and there is no one that for me i mean it's just it gives me goosebumps just talking to you about it here and this is this is what 6 years ago so it is knowing how to, or, you know, putting yourself in that kind of harm's way to really harvest, you know, stuff from both camps, both the highs and the lows, because you learn so much more about yourself and, and you you can take that into so many other aspects of your life, whether it's, it's not just leadership. I mean, I've, I've gone down that avenue to kind of legitimize writing about this on LinkedIn. Yes, it has to have a business angle. But I just feel you can take it to so many other aspects of your life, whether you're a parent or a friend or boyfriend, girlfriend. I just feel that, yeah, I'm just, I'm just a better version of myself when I
1: run. And that was one of my questions. Would you, would you consider that experience
0: pivotal in your life and it changed who you are without getting too heavy? It sounds like it did. Oh, categorically did. I felt I returned a different, a different person. I felt I returned with something that sort of was a, you know, Eureka moment thinking I have to examine this deeper. You know, I actually ended up running with a, with a colleague had the complete opposite effect on him. I don't think he's run since. Okay. And I, I, I went on to, I wouldn't say compete, but. You know, taking it pretty seriously and running over 30 ultras since and some of them high profile. You came back and I kind of want to understand how then the work that you did
1: and the exploration that continued after that, that pivotal moment uh, into the relationship between running and leadership. Tell us about how that came about and
0: how you started that. I decided to make contact with some experts in the sector that are looking very much at psychometrics, are looking at personality profiling, and that was when I came across Thomas International. And obviously, I'm aware of many of these tools due to my day job of picking people, testing people, and, you know, personality tests are are pretty common in my world. So I asked Thomas International if they would be interested in taking part and obviously making available business psychologists, making their platform available, help actually build a test kit. If I could go out and recruit the cohort, which would be leaders who were partial to either ultra running or at least long distance running. and, And I found about 47 and they applied this assessment called high potential trait indicator or HPTI, which is measuring six personality traits. They deem that these six personality traits are predictive of success in workplace and in terms of leadership skills. And that's what we did. So those are, you're scoring in conscientious, in adjusting, in curious, in risk, in ambiguity, and in competitiveness. And I'll try and attach a few more words to each section and also give you an idea how they um, how the scoring came out against your general population should we dive into that right now and
1: I, I think it's it's fascinating because this is sort of evidence around you know many gut feels of of this space and yeah. you know in, in, emotional sort of reactions to the subject so it it would be amazing to to dig a bit deeper into into what you found
0: So it's all scored against, as you said, the average cross-section of the population. So then we've overlaid that with our runner scoring. And if we start with conscientiousness, people who score highly in that section are likely to be focused on goals and how to reach them. So those with high scores here felt that running helped them relieve stress and it was showing a proactive approach to stress management. They scored 47%. So, in fact, the average cross section is 20 across the board, okay? So you've got to measure these numbers against 20. The second piece is how do you score an adjustment? And adjustment means how likely are you to be calm under pressure and how likely are you to suffer from feelings of stress. So here the scoring was 34% versus 20. And we have extra commentary from the, the psychologists that are suggesting that well-adjusted runners find that running makes them more empathetic and perhaps giving them time to understand stressful situations compared to your non-running cohort. And for me, that resonates because I wouldn't say on every run, Ant, because I think I can pick from the shelves what I'd like that run to be. Sometimes I bring with me challenges, which could be from work or it could be from my private life and subconsciously or consciously i can move the needle considerably on those morning runs so i'm not surprised that other runners are finding that applying running to uh, stressful situations is a go to for many runners okay curiosity uh, runners scoring uh, 43 they are more likely to pursue and to enjoy learning new things they like variety and the high scorers commented that They felt that running increased their creativity at work and again i cannot disagree i find that creativity is a a big part of what i get out of get out of running It, it generates ideas and it generates very often very creative ideas and often i will need to stop to make notes because i don't want to lose those ideas next to the treadmill in the gym downstairs i have a notepad because when i'm in those situations that's when things become incredibly clear to me. And then I take those ideas and that creativity and I weave that back into my the rest of my working mm-hmm. day.
1: I mean, that's a great tip, isn't it? Because we, we do talk to runners who, you know, in this space, curiosity, creativity, have those ideas. And, and, you know, you've taken it a step further by actually having somewhere to record those in the moment with you. And that's, that's evidence, isn't it? That you are in a, a space where flow and these ideas come forth Uh, but yeah great great tip to capture them as as they happen
0: absolutely and i feel i perhaps also feel i have a i have a shocking memory at times and i find it incredibly frustrating to feel that you've had this great idea and it's just you've left it somewhere out on the trail it will come as no surprise that there's a high score for risk approach this cohort are proactively confronting challenging situations and difficult conversations they score 43% 32% of the cohort had an optimal score for ambiguity acceptance which means that they thrive on uncertainty and complexity in other words clear-cut answers and solutions are not for them again i think feel that would resonate part of the attraction i feel of of stepping up to a start line of an ultra on a mountain or a jungle or a desert Versus your city marathon is that you really do not know what you are going to be getting. You don't know what the next multiple hours will throw at you. Now, marathons may throw different weather to what you predicted. But ultimately, you know what the route's going to be. You know what you did last year. You know what PB you've been training for. And, you know, it's tarmac. So you cannot compare it. But most ultras, they change the trail every year because you've got to keep those surprise elements. But uh, Mother Nature normally ensures that you will get your healthy blend of surprises and highs and lows. But I think the, the ambiguity and the accepting that, I mean, not only accepting it, but actually really actually thriving on it, enjoying it. So if you look at that in business, it's understanding and, and thriving on operating in you know, uncharted territory being ready to be agile, being ready to be decisive, being ready to change when rules change around you or circumstances change around you or the business climate changes around you. You know, the list goes on. The final one is competitiveness. 43% had an optimal score for competitiveness. So they enjoy positions of power. They enjoy influence. They enjoy recognition. Although I must say that more competitive runners are... At least our our study suggested that they were more partial to racing half marathons than partaking in ultras i don't know i'm i'm not feeling that that the competitiveness i mean maybe bar uh, the top cohort in any in any uh, endurance event but i don't feel that's a that's a big part of trail running those early experiences of of experience that inclusiveness uh, in Sahara, that for me is consistent. And I feel when you're standing there on that start line, and you're standing next to perhaps, as I was in Costa Rica, next to some of the fastest runners in the world, but they're as curious about my world as I am about theirs. And you couldn't really replicate that in many other sports. You know, running is a great leveler. And uh, and trail running even more so.
1: And just understanding these high potential trait indicators a little bit more are they unique to this study around uh, around running and ultra running or are these traits that Thomas International you know use elsewhere and they've been applied to this this study?
0: Yeah, is is the latter the high potential trait indicator assessment is a standard assessment. So we've not engineered questions that. Would sort of be runner-centric you know we have added to the questionnaire that there was an opportunity to contextualize some of the voting and that has sort of helped you know make our conclusions a bit richer if you like but ultimately it's a standard test that which also means that they could compare it against high performing leaders who weren't runners I guess we don't know that but uh, you know a data set of over 8,000 high-level executives so we felt we had a we had a reasonable data quality certainly in in the general cohort as I said with 47 long distance runners I'm going to be a bit careful not to draw too many hard conclusions based on on quite a small data set part of it was also a bit of fun and and again an opportunity to see whether there were some indication about a a difference between the two camps and was
1: the the average that you mentioned that the 20 average was that the population or was that people in business managers leaders
0: no it is a it is a cross-section of the working population
1: and when you started to see these results come in and and you know you, you started to consider these what were the what were the takeaways that you you know had initially uh, on seeing these results
0: i i think mean, it was consistent with my experience of trail running i had taken a little bit of critique on the linkedin platform that i was merely looking to substantiate my own take on running and how it uh, how it aids uh, you know leadership or performance in the workplace which was, was fine i mean i i did you know you start with yourself and you start with how does it make you feel seeing those numbers come in i guess just sort of breaks it down a bit because it it breaks it into these you know six different aspects so it was it was interesting to get thomas international on board to validate some of the ideas and as i said most of it i would agree with i feel some of the strong takeaways when i when i returned from that first ultra running experience was different levels of empathy and that's um that's a fairly uh, critical component in leadership but perhaps the most significant component i feel was was understanding that your boundaries your resilience levels are possibly much greater than what you think um if you don't put yourself in these situations you will simply never know and if you put yourself in these situations and you live to tell the tale, it gives a, a an inner strength knowing that you've done that and you've you overcame what was thrown at you. And that is a very internal victory. And, you know, as you
1: acknowledged, there's an asterisk against this. We we don't want to read too much into it, but it's pointing in a certain direction. Did you. Before the work was done, did you get a sense of, with the with the people, the 47 that were in this cohort, what they were like before running? Because I'm just try, trying to understand or consider, you know, the, these leaders that obviously are scoring high on uh, these uh, high potential trait indicators. What part running played in taking them to that high score? Or is this something that you think was in them and they shows running as a as another means of uh you know a, a pastime but they already had these traits in them i mean did you
0: consider that i think it's i think it's a great question and i think that question of which one came first is is always an interesting one you know i, I think it's interesting to understand how these people would score uh, you know how, how would i score in 2015 versus 2018 having at that point embraced running pretty seriously and what were the you know what was in their Perhaps anyway, in terms of mindset, and what have what have I learned and adopted from running, it is something that I've I've personally covered with a business psychologist because it is interesting. But I don't have line of sight, and because of the um, the confidential nature of of these questionnaires, I don't actually even have access to the forty seven, so I can't influence them one way or the other. But um, it, it could potentially be an interesting. Uh, follow-up piece of research to see if we can get that input i think i think where the challenge is and is that uh, i think i think uh, many of the runners that i have engaged with on this or running in general have been you know running since their late teens I mean, I had a question in terms of, you know, you obviously are
1: skilled in in this space and spend a lot of time in, you know, human analysis, Thomas International type work. When you saw these results, did it change the way at all in which you went about your role in in recruitment and headhunting?
0: I think it did. And whether that was the running or whether it was just maturing as a human being, I don't know. But I think more curiosity around human relations psychology between humans and how we think and how we act and how we develop or some of us develop coping mechanisms and how you grow that keyboard of tricks that you have in your armory to manage your own mental health as well as your physical health because you know, running involves injuries and running even without injuries inv- involves a lot of up and down as does life in general. And I think what it has opened my mind for and curiosity for is the mental aspect of uh, these types of pursuits and what you can learn from it, what coping mechanisms that you can derive from it or fuel from it or energize from it. And that has increased my interest and my curiosity in having conversations around that whether it's in professional capacity or private capacity it certainly has uh, stimulated my interest on the back of learning more about myself it's also increased my interest in how others navigate Uh, it's increased my interest in uh, in relations between other people and from a professional standpoint that's when we start embarking on what is it that makes one group of people performing at a much higher level than another group of people same company same seemingly same group of people and that's that elusive secret sauce around performance cultures and that again is is, is something that i got very involved in from a professional point of view makes sense
1: just coming back to the study and the high performance trait indicators. Did it go anywhere after that? I mean, obviously you've, you took away your uh, conclusions and, and observations. You know, it, did Thomas do anything with it? Did it, you know, was it published anywhere else? You kind of, you know, if, if listeners to this would like to know more about
0: that, can they access it? Um, there isn't a report available. So this is this is a very exclusive setting here, And We wrote individual articles on LinkedIn that's where I share most of my stuff, either LinkedIn or the fun stuff is on Instagram. So those are the only places where you will find evidence of this study. I guess if you're into polling, 47 is too tiny a cohort to really substantiate your uh, your conclusions. But uh, it certainly was enough to, as you said, give us a guide, give us a direction of travel and overlay that with uh, perhaps some... Yeah, some preconceived ideas and evidence around, you know, out of, the, out of the top performing leaders across the world, how many of those happen to be runners? I think you'd be surprised uh, or maybe not that that number is pretty high, but, you know, it's, uh, it's not something that we've um, decided sort of to put too much more emphasis on because we would simply need to recruit many more ultra running execs and the day job gets in the way. And to be honest.
1: Thank you for sharing in such, such detail the results and your thoughts around it, because it's given me so much food for thought and, and the clarity of the different measures, the traits, you know, just talking through those. I think anybody listening to this uh, who is wanting to raise their game can probably see things they need to work on, uh, areas to explore more in some of those traits. People can sort of, I'm sure, are measuring themselves as you went through them. Ah, yeah, that's me. Or maybe thinking, oh, that's not me. Maybe I need to consider what my approach here is. So so just walking us through those, scores aside, uh, I think has been a a fascinating process.
0: It's nice to talk to a fellow enthusiast, uh, to be honest. There's so much to trail running. That I, I feel it has a very a very logical place in performing and in learning about yourself. And I guess it's just we don't often take the time and don't often get that proximity to nature. And I just feel, you know, time and exercise, adventure, mother nature. I just I mean wow you've got your you've got probably the that should be the best selling antidepressant right there
1: absolutely I, I want to switch gears to to finish up um, with a few questions just to to close um I do want to know what was the piece of music when you got on the bus you mentioned you never touched your iPod during the the uh, m d s but <laughs> you listened to it on the bus. What were you listening to when you when you finished
0: uh I have a sneaky feeling that it was uh, it was a Beatles track. Get Back, I think it was. Right. I mean, you get, what is it, the ACDC Highway to Hell. That's the one you hear every morning, you know, blaring out from a Land Rover, and you see Patrick Bauer standing on the roof of the Land Rover, you know, getting the crowd going. You know, it, it's, it's mental. It's like a, a, a micro environment that is so unique, and it changes your relationship with that, ACDC track permanently. I know how, I know what you mean that.
1: I did the um, Ring of Fire in Anglesey a while back, and the song, I don't know if you're familiar with that particular run, but uh, the Johnny Cash song, Ring of Fire, is played incessantly yes. across the weekend <laughs> um, at every checkpoint, at the very beginning. It's played at uh, 5 a.m. in the morning when uh, everybody is woken up. It's played when you finish. I, I remember sort of finishing that race. And uh, I was fortunate enough to have a, a camper van where me and my buddy were, were staying. And we were trying to get some sleep early on because we were running again the next morning. But every time somebody crossed the finish line, Ring of Fire by Johnny Cash was played to welcome them home. So, uh, you know, every 10, 15 <laughs> minutes when I remember sort of trying to get some sleep in this camper van, this song just came, boom, out uh, to, to wake us up again. And it was it was horrible, but it yeah. was wonderful.
0: And when you hear it today, you know it just brings back you know it sends you straight back to those environments it's uh It's so powerful
1: absolutely. running aside, can you uh, g- give me a business tool, an app,
0: maybe an inspirational person, something I think what what i mean the gift that running does give you is time, so how you use that i mean that that that's a that is then gives you a number of options what to do with that precious commodity and I think for me, sometimes I've been going nuts on Blinkist. Sometimes I've been going nuts on Audible. I mean, there there are a couple of go-to podcasts that I, I will always dedicate time to, specifically Diary of a CEO by Steve Bartlett uh, or the high-performance podcast with Jake Humphreys. Those are kind of part of my stable diet, if you like. Inspirational uh, runner or, or, or author, there are a few. The current one is... Um, Probably the best running book that I've read in terms of sort of self-development for me is The Inner Runner by Jason Karp. I feel that really resonated with me. Every single page I was sitting with a highlighting pen and, and in the end, I, sort of, I might as well just highlight the whole book. There's just so many things that uh, connected that connected with me on that. So that would be, that would be one I would um, highly recommend. There's another thing which I, I, I feel is part of that morning ritual. If there are any listeners left on this pod by now, I think i give them one which makes a big difference uh, for me. And if you haven't tried it, give it a spin. And that is um, fat coffee before you run. So if you run really early in the morning, which I, I'm, I'm partial to, I don't start with any breakfast. But uh, the fat coffee is, uh, is made up of good quality butter. So that's a plug here for Kerry Gold. So it has to be made by cows that are fed on good grass ideally it has to be organic coffee i, I have an espresso and I'm, i think i just use normal shots so two shots of coffee a lump of organic butter and then the magic ingredient is the brain oil and that is uh, highly refined coconut oil and you build up over time because if you use my levels now you will um, you won't go out for a run you will end up in the bathroom <laughs> but if you build up your tolerance slowly so I have two large teaspoons of brain oil mix it with the coffee mix it with the butter and to be honest I can run half a marathon on that and it's it gets your your head spinning and it give and I mean, you could use it if you're into like a keto diet I'm not but it's a way to try and educate your system to if you believe in, 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 in this approach, but I think you have to be way more disciplined than I am, that it coaches your body into using fat as its energy source. Now, if that's your strategy, you have to be incredibly disciplined in, 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 in how you fuel yourself. As I said, I'm not, but I like the kick that fat coffee gives me and I, I certainly don't feel like eating breakfast at 5am at in the morning so I can make that drink and i can uh, i can i can get out and it will it will keep me fueled and it has a wonderful impact on your, your your brain spinning so you know you get your you get your happy chemicals from the running but you certainly also can get a real boost from that um, from that fat coffee that's my personal experience if you haven't tried it i'd certainly give it a give it a spin it's quite i mean it's quite pleasant it's a, it's like a, it's like a really rich nice strong flat white you know start your day with that and uh, no you won't look back interesting okay i I will explore
1: that thanks for sharing that and business aside do you have a favorite bit of running kit or a running accessory that you couldn't do without
0: not really ant to be honest when i go racing that i i you know i've broken so many poles but i keep coming back the lecky poles Brilliant. Every day, I, I mean, I, I find that the running belt is, is brilliant because it, I can start off with the, with the layers of clothing that I need and you can easily pack any of those spare layers when it gets too hot and you can just you know, wrap them around in that, in that belt. You know, initially when you start out, you realize that running is a, is a kit heavy sport, just like anything else for something that ought to be so simple. And after a while, you realize that. Get a decent watch. That runs a nice diary for you and it gives you a you know, kick up the backside when you're not doing enough. And I quite like a bit of tech, but I don't overthink it either. I did some collaboration with Polar and they're the makers of the watch I'm wearing. And that involved uh, working with the Team GB uh, endurance coach. And we set ourselves some, some plans and a strategy and whatnot. I think the project at that time was to see if we could achieve a certain marathon time. It didn't really work. I think the interval training didn't really um, work well for him. I have a this chronic stress injury on my uh, left tibia, but I think he flagged it and he said, "Listen, Jakob, you're what we in the trade call a romantic runner. So your romantic runner is essentially someone who will run if they feel like it, not run if they don't feel like it. So you know, take take all the data with a pinch of salt. If it floats your boat." go nuts there's every bit of tech out there that you can measure everything about you know your your cadence to your splits to your yadda yadda yaddy. it doesn't actually mean anything to me i think i would lose my enjoyment of running if i had to plot in my time and distance and split and interval and yadda 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 every day it, it's just uh it's, it's not it's not what i'm in it for
1: and I think something that you said there as well that resonates is enjoying the journey is something we could all uh, take more pleasure from. Uh, it, it, I know we try, uh, but there's, there's nothing like being in the moment, is there? Final question, and I don't know if it's possible to sum up our, our conversation, but what advice would you give to anybody in business or a leadership role who's considering getting more active and, and taking up running?
0: I think the advice is simple. Try and make a step into that Triangle, which is inspiration, action, execution. Those are not the labels by the way, but I, but I'm failing to remember the actual labels of that, of that triangle. My, my point being that don't look at at marathons. Don't look at ultras, just break those challenges down into thinking, go out and run Two kilometers and see how to make how how that makes you feel if running is not an option for you i don't think these tricks are limited to runners either so if your legs or back or hip whatever won't allow you to run will it allow you to ride a bike i think some of this magic is harvested better in real nature i appreciate that type of nature may not be on everyone's doorstep I'm not such a big fan of tarmac, so if there is an opportunity to get a bit closer to something that resembles trail, whether it's on a gravel bike or whether it's wearing trail shoes, I'm not sure that that it needs to be mad distances to to get the hook. And I think that would be my my biggest advice is just to see, well, give some of this a shot. I would just... encourage anybody to ensure that they pace themselves get some get rest in between these runs build up slowly because you know whilst you may not be out of breath your your back and your hip and your knees and whatnot will 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 need time to adjust to your new hobby.
1: Jacob thank you so much for sharing uh, the insight that you've you've taken from running and, and your personal running experiences best to luck with your ne- next challenge and uh, thanks for being part of run the business much appreciated thank you and it was great talking to you thanks again to Yaka block for his time on run the business this week i'm actually recording these closing remarks on the road It's taken me a while to process my thoughts from this conversation, hence the delay in capturing this outro. Aside from Jakob's fantastic stories about running and high performance cultures, that's the first time we've touched upon some kind of quantitative analysis of running and its impact on a person's leadership skills. Jakob's given me a lot to think about. The six high potential trait indicators that he talked about were fascinating. These traits are predictive of success in the workplace. Runners scored higher than the general population. That's the thing, wasn't it? It's worth going back over them and the comments that came in some of the categories as well. The first one was conscientiousness, being conscientious. High scorers were better at focusing on goals and how to reach them. The commentary from the psychologists that were involved in the study talked about how running helped leaders with stress management. I think I'm right in saying that. Uh, The second one was adjustment, uh, being calm under pressure. Um, It makes you more empathetic compared to non-runners. The third one was curiosity. Runners felt like they were more likely to pursue new things. Uh, They had that increased sense of creativity. I really like Jakob's story about having the pen and notepad near his running machine in his house, so he could jot down ideas when they came through. Uh, the fourth one was risk approach. Runners were proactive, uh, proactively confronting challenging situations and difficult conversations. The fifth one, ambiguity acceptance. Uh, these people claim they thrive on uncertainty, uh, being ready to be agile and being ready for change, uh, particularly in those longer runners. That came out, didn't it? And the final one, competitiveness. Maybe not an obvious one, but shorter distance runners scored higher on this one. Competitiveness becomes less relevant the longer you run. That's an interesting one. and I can kind of see that as well. Now, I appreciate the sample size here isn't huge. It's 47. And maybe we're reaching to find the connections. But I can't help but think there is something here. I wonder if there's a way to build on this work that Jakob's done and do it on a bigger scale bigger than any of the studies that have been undertaken about running a business. How do we make 47 participants, 100, 200? How do we get to 1,000? Let me have a ponder on that one. You can't help but also consider your own mental approach to those high-performance trait indicators. I'm sure, like me, when Jakob was talking about them, you were going to yourself, "Mm, what's my my take there? Uh, Is running part of a secret source in high-performance culture, or maybe just a flavor of it. A lot to take in. I'm Anthony Gay, and until next time, keep running and keep chasing your goals. Fat coffee, anyone?